Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa. And with me is my co-host, Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, crunchy friends? It's Michelle here, and oh my goodness, there are so many things going on right now. I don't even know where to start. Um, First, I guess I'll start with this big old piece of news. So Paleo Magazine does their yearly best of Paleo Awards, and my blog, unboundwellness.com, got nominated for the best food recipe website of 2017, which is just so mind-blowing to me. And uh, thank you so, so much for everybody that nominated me. There's still time to vote. We'll put a link in the show notes. It literally only takes a moment and it's just such an amazing way to support all of the bloggers and brands that you love that are serving this space. And yeah, I am just so grateful. So thank you so so much um, for just supporting me and Anne and, you know, just this entire community. Um, Thank you for all that you guys do. And one more big piece of news. If you follow me on the interwebs and saw my webinar last week, you will see that I made a very big announcement. I launched my online program, Gut Health Overhaul, which is designed to help you overhaul your gut health. You guys know this is probably one of the things I'm most passionate about in this space. It's the thing that really just turned my life and my health around when I had my Hashimoto's just kind of going all over the place and my health deteriorating kind of as a whole that focusing on my gut health and healing my gut and figuring all of that out just changed everything for me. So what the program is, is it is six modules in total. It's over... 30 lessons that have videos, printable guides that basically walk you through a 4R protocol that you're all familiar with, but it is expanded into seven R's total. So it talks about remove, re-inoculate, repair, all of that good stuff that you already know, but it also talks about optimizing your digestion, customization, lifestyle. So it is not a one-size-fits-all. It talks about SIBO, candida, parasites, all of these different things that help you really just take control of your gut health. I put it all in one place. And there are also options to upgrade to get a cookbook, meal plans, mindset journals. And the most exciting thing um, that I really wanted to tell you guys about is that there's also a live option. So you can sign up to work with me one-on-one that there are live sessions and then there's also live group coaching. So it is on sale for 25% off right now. And that is only through the end of today, Thursday, January 18th. So if you know you want to work with me one-on-one, those spaces are filling up and they're really limited because it is just me working with everybody. So if you want to do that, I'm not going to be opening it up again until the spring and it's not going to be that 25% off 
price. So if you're interested, go to guthealthoverhaul.com right now, check it on out. And yeah, well, let's get into today's episode. This week, we are, um, do you want to introduce the topic? Yeah, that was funny. Uh, <laughs> like we both started talking like we're yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this week we are talking about mistakes that can stall your healing. And this is going to be for chronic illness, autoimmunity, but it's just things that we tend to see with people um, that we're either working with or things that we've done ourselves. And hopefully we can provide some guidance on what to do to remediate these issues, mistakes, whatever. Yeah. So the first one, so with all of these, it's just really important to remember that everybody's different and things vary. But yeah, these are just kind of general things that we've seen before. Um, that will probably apply to you too. So number one mistake that you could be making that, you know, you feel like you've been doing this for a while, but you're not seeing progress. Number one, you haven't really reached or aren't practicing 100% compliance with the healing diet that, um, you know, is potentially going to help make you better. And we talked about this a little bit on the episode with Simi on intuitive eating, you know, just like, oh, the 80, 20 rule. And it's like, oh, it's, it's sometimes okay to, there's so much in the diet world where everybody talks about 80, 20 and like, it's okay to just like indulge a little bit here and there. And yes, it is. If you go onto my blog, there's lots of treat recipes, but what are you indulging in? So if you're doing the 80-20 rule with 80% healing foods and then 20% like, oh, I'll just have like a Hershey's kiss here and there, stuff like that, that really just, especially when you're just trying to get into it, you need to go through a period of really restoring your body and really working to pull out that bad stuff, pull out all of that inflammation and actually calm things down. And then maybe in the future, you can have that 20% of stuff that isn't AIP or paleo friendly. I was just telling somebody the other day, I eat cheese, I eat rice, I eat you know, sugary things, but that's, you know, years after I went through the whole period of like 100% compliance of like, okay, I need to really be restorative and you cannot beat yourself up. We'll talk about mindset kind of throughout this whole conversation because we're not, it's very important to not like point blame at anybody and like feel bad about any of these things. Like we're not pointing any blame and we're not trying to make anybody feel bad, but these are just things that you can kind of recognize to help you moving forward. So yeah. 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 I wanted to add there that this doesn't mean that you have to jump right into a hundred percent compliance. You can phase into it. And maybe that means that you are doing an 80, 20 rule for a period of time, whatever you need, but you can't expect to achieve a hundred percent healing while following that. So mm -hmm. at some point you do need to make the decision with, I would say any autoimmune disease and 
most chronic illnesses, you need to make, there needs to come a time where you are completely committed a hundred percent to your healing protocol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, when I did that, it was like, when I was really a hundred percent, it was about two, three months or something like that. And yeah, it was a hard two, three months. And yeah, I did really transition into that, but it's really important to have that time where it's like, I'm really just focusing on healing right now. And there's going to be way more, you know, pairs of two, three months in your life to where you can indulge in those other things. So it's not like we're just being like these mean people of being like, you have to be out this stuff forever. It's not necessarily the case, but yeah, you can't really expect a hundred percent healing when there's still kind of that inflammatory stuff in there. And it takes time for sure, but you know, we've both said very candidly that it took us years to get to a hundred percent compliance. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean that we didn't experience healing, you know, with 80% because we did like, there were a lot of changes, but there were a lot of little naggling things that was like, well, why isn't this happening until we hit that 100% compliance for X amount of time. And then we're able to really fully heal. Exactly. Or mostly heal. I'll never be fully healed, but you know, you know. So the next one is something that I personally did probably the first month into my 100% compliant autoimmune protocol. And that is focusing only on excluding foods. And this is going to be really common if you, like me, have a history with chronic dieting, but the, the problem is that we look at the foods to avoid and we cut those out and maybe we replace the white potato with sweet potato and we replace the marinara sauce with no tomato sauce, but we aren't really looking at the foods to enjoy liberally and like making sure that we are really including a lot of nutrient dense foods. So you're kind of just swapping, like making the easy swaps and you haven't really focused on healing foods. So with that, the focus on autoimmune healing and chronic illness healing is really going to be gut health. And so having the repair of the 4R protocol that we've mentioned multiple times um, in our podcast before, but adding in a lot of healing foods, healing supplements, healing Um, just different types of like drinks that you can have. So there's bone broth, there's aloe vera juice. And then, like I said, the different supplements. And then on top of that, also working on re-inoculating the gut. And so if you've had impaired gut function for a while, um, re-inoculating your gut with good probiotics is going to be really, really important for a multitude of reasons. One of them is going to be brain function, but there's also... Uh, just going back to overall gut health and, you know, all, all of your health is going to be starting in the guts. So that's really what we want to focus on. Another thing here is instead of just focusing on the healing foods and we'll get into what some of those foods look like and some of the things that you might want to encourage yourself to include more in your daily meals. Um, but an easy one is to focus on getting a variety of different vitamins and minerals. And so with that, the easiest way I can 
encourage that is to get a variety of foods that you're eating and primarily focusing that variety on your fruits and vegetables. You can look at like seasonal produce lists and then go to the farmer's market and try to pick out some new to you vegetables. And like right now being in the winter, you can just roast or saute those, like roast those vegetables, saute them. Um, in the summer, you can grill them. So you're, even if you don't really know what to do with it, you just kind of cook the, the vegetable, add a sauce to it or add some, you know, um, seasonings to it. Primal palate seasonings are one of my favorites. And there you have like a new nutrient profile that you've just added to your weekly regimen. So kind of getting out of that like list of uh, vegetables and fruits that you're constantly eating and trying to diversify. And one thing that could be kind of interesting is for you to actually go through and list all the different fruits and vegetables that you tend to eat. And maybe that's seasonal, but you'll likely see that you have like maybe 10 on a yearly basis that you're just like rotating through. And so it's me. Yeah. It's, Um, it's, yeah. I have to remind myself of it a lot when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, cauliflower and arugula and bok choy and cabbage. I'm like, uh. well, yeah, because I mean, that's easy and you know what you like and you know how to cook it and, and it doesn't take a lot of meal prep, but it can just be like a fun thing. It can diversify your palate and get you a lot of exposure to vi- new vitamins and minerals or vitamins and min- minerals. Oh my gosh. minerals that uh, maybe you aren't getting a ton of in your regular diet. I know a functional medicine doctor who, who preaches that, that variety is so much more important than like even quality. So just Mm -hmm. making sure that you're getting a lot of variety. And herbs too, I think is a really easy way to get in variety with vegetables because sometimes we are just like <laughs> I do this too when I'm at Whole Foods or wherever farmer's market and I'm like oh I keep getting these same things like just pick up like the weirdest bulbous thing like what's this what can I do with this and it's like I don't want that <laughs> um, but it's like if I just go and it's like okay I haven't had parsley in a while I'm gonna put a ton of parsley in my soup or cilantro or like sage like those are vegetables too you guys so <laughs> I feel like yeah. And no, we're just like, what is, the, and they're delicious and super nutrient dense. Yes. And it just changes your food. So, so much. Like when I work with people and they're like, I'm bored with Brussels sprouts, I'm like, or I'm bored with bone broth. Like, I don't like it. Like take your bone broth and like each week that you make it or your vegetables or whatever, and just get a different herb. Like I went through, a, I need to get back into it. I'm kind of doing it right now, but I was better with him before. I would get like just a different, like a bunch of a different herb, like every single week. Like, okay, this week is just going to be like tons of basil. This week is going to be tons of cilantro. And it's like, if you don't like bone broth or you don't like soup or something like that, go and get like a bunch of basil and put that in there. Like it just, it tastes so amazing. And it just changes your meals so much when you season them differently. And when you look at a lot of, you know, like recipes for, I mean, when you look at baked goods, it's different just because the ratios are all so different. But when you look at 
soups or chickens or recipes for that. It's like, okay, these are all chicken thighs. Like really what is separating them? It's the way that they're being seasoned and you can, you know, just really transform your meal and your nutrient profile that you're getting by adding those in. And yeah, I am my current thing that I'm annoying Daniel about is putting a, um, like a greenhouse in our backyard because we can't do herbs inside because the cat eats them. We can't do them outside because the squirrels eat them. So (laughs) fresh herbs I'm currently struggling with. The cat gets anywhere. Like I know people are like, oh, you're just not putting them high enough. The cat will get as high as he needs to and eat them all. So I'm like, I just like picture him lifting like a little glass thing off of a cake and eating it because he's such oh, a yeah. like he does that i would not surprise me if he had opposable thumbs oh he gets on top of furniture and like scales on top of things and that's besides the point but yeah well, stand up. daniel to grow things but it's not as cost effective as having, if you can grow your own, that's amazing. It's, it's not as cost effective, but a lot of the time when you go to farmer's markets, that's one thing that somebody's going to have a ton of. Like there's a lot of vendors at my farmer's market. It's like, okay, everybody has vegetables and a lot of people have the same vegetables, but there are some people that just grow like these crazy amounts of herbs and just like varieties that you've just like, like pineapple sage. And it's like, you just don't get that in the store. So yeah, that's a fun challenge to go to a farmer's market or whatever and be like, I'm just going to buy a ton of herbs. Yeah. Sage right now is our favorite thing that we've been cooking with recently. Like frying sage with sea salt in bacon grease is just too good. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So tips for including some very healing foods into your diet. We've talked about some bone broth. Um, we've talked about variety, focusing on fruits and veggies. There's also fermented foods. So that's going to be a way that you can re-inoculate or get some probiotics into your gut. And then gelatin and collagen. I know I talked a while back about not loving bone broth and instead doing collagen pretty much every single morning. And there's also like gelatin gummies that you can make. I have a collagen protein bar, four collagen protein bars on my rest, on my website that you can make. Uh, there are organ meats. And so that's going to include things like liver, which a lot of people find to be not, not easily, um, uh, died. I don't know how to say this palatable. Yeah. Um, But there are other ways that you can get organ meats into your diet. And so eating like sardines is a really great way to get organ meats into your diet, oysters. And I buy those in a a tin at natural grocers, make sure that they're wild caught and that they come in olive oil as opposed to like sunflower oil or anything that's pro-inflammatory. Uh, having seafood. Seafood's going to be really high in omega-3s and that's going to be really healing for you. And then going into selective supplementation. Now, this is going to be really based on your particular 
issues. And so we can't suggest things for every single person, but some general things to look at. There's L-glutamine is a really great supplement for healing. You can look at gelatin and collagen even as almost like a supplement for healing. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people find that L-theanine really helps with anxiety. And I think that we'll get into that, but that's another issue that can be stalling your healing progress. And then a really high quality soil-based probiotic. So if you don't want to only focus on fermented foods, or if you have an overgrowth where you aren't tolerating fermented foods well, then a soil-based probiotic is going to be really great. And beyond that, it's going to be specific to your mineral deficiencies, your vitamin deficiencies, and your overgrowths or underlying infections. All right. Moving on to the next one. So the next one we're going to talk about here is eating foods that you don't tolerate. And there are going to be clues that you're still eating something that you don't tolerate, but it's really difficult to figure that out when you're already on a 100% compliant diet. There can be, especially because you, you may not know if it's just something that is sneaking into your diet in an unsuspecting way. So like you're getting glutened or you have a intolerance to coconut or something, right? It's hard to figure it out. Right. Do you want to talk about some strategies? Yeah. So this is something that I'm passionate about because it's something that I've had a lot of issues with that I've had quote unquote leaky gut badly enough my whole life that I've had a lot of intolerances beyond just those that are on an AIP diet. And the AIP template is what works best for me, but I've had to uh, just kind of customize beyond that. So I had a period where I was intolerant to coconut. Um, There are still some things I can't think of a ton off the top of my head right now, but there's still some things that I eat that are AIP compliant that I don't eat a ton of. Um, I could go on forever on my specific things, but it's not important. People have this issue where they have this other thing that they can't have, and it could be stalling their healing. If you are super intolerant to coconut and everything that you're eating has coconut in it, that's definitely not going to be calming down your inflammation. It could be a big factor in why it's not calming down. So what are some strategies? Um, If you've ever seen, you should go and watch it if you haven't, but Terry Walls, the creator of the Walls Protocol, she did an amazing TED Talk talking about the Walls Protocol, basically. Um, And she talked about figuring out food intolerances and food allergies and, you know, how how our guts get so messed up and all this stuff. And she was like, food and tolerances and allergies are they're just like so unnatural and they're really really hard to figure out so it's not easy if you're going down this whole road of trying to figure out your extra food intolerances and the biggest problem is that they can change a lot and they're they're different depending on you know what kind of like if you're i've totally had an intolerance to like 
one squash before and not the other one. Like I've totally felt different eating other varieties of squashes or like if I eat orange sweet potatoes, still like to this day, if I eat too much orange sweet potato, like I'll eventually start to like feel a little meh from it, but I can eat like white and purple sweet potato and have no problem with it. Like these foods are very different. So, um, So some strategies for figuring out the foods that you don't tolerate. One that's always kind of the elephant in the room and is very heavily debated, but food intolerance testing. So getting tests. And I have both praised and bashed these. And I think that they deserve both, um, honestly, because they're very controversial and it depends on what you are, how you're going into looking at it. So I think that everybody listening, the best way to go into it is saying that, hey, these things are going to have a lot of negatives. I'm on an AIP diet or a paleo diet or whatever, and this is the template I'm going to continue to follow, but I'm going to take this test and take any other information it gives me, like if I'm intolerant to coconut or pineapple or sweet potato or zucchini or whatever, and just kind of layer that onto the protocol that I have. Because the problem is when I did those um, tests is that it would come back and say, oh yeah, you're mostly, most of the foods that I couldn't have were the AIP foods that I should be avoiding. But there were things like corn and dairy and green peppers, but not red peppers and like random things that were coming back that I had, con- that coming back as things that I could have that I continued to eat. And it was slowing my healing because, you know, the test was just giving me a false answer and I was not just sticking with the template that I knew was going to work. So stick with a template and then just give yourself that extra information to layer on is I think the best way to do it. Um, So Cyrex Labs Array 10 is one that is praised by many influencers and reputable names in this space that is a good one to try. It is expensive, but you know, if this is something that you really think that you're struggling with or your doctor really recommends, it could be something to explore. Um, An MRT test is something else that a lot of NTPs are trained to do this. I was thinking about doing it myself, but not right now, at least maybe in the future. Um, But it's another one that is kind of like a mediated like time release test. So it it kind of tracks your um, reaction to things over a longer period of time rather than just immediately. Because as we know, like I said, I'm like, if I eat a lot of sweet potato, like I'll eventually start to feel weird. You know, it doesn't happen immediately. It's not like an allergy. So those are two that I would look into. Um, Another one is uh, that I think is really effective for most people and it's free is pulse testing. So what this is, is, um, so you're going to look up the COCA's pulse testing and it's basically tapping into your body's like bioavailable feedback of when you give your something, your body something that it's not going to like, it's going to immediately react. And that happens when you're watching something scary on TV, your body immediately reacts. It's the same thing with food. So if you put a piece of food in your mouth, um, so basically how you do the test is you put a piece of food singularly in your mouth and you track your pulse to see if your pulse jumped up. And 
theoretically, most of the time, what should happen is that your pulse should jump if you are eating a food, if you're putting a, exposing your body to a food that it is intolerant to. Your body knows right then and there that this, you start metabolizing food right in your mouth. Your body knows that this is not something that it wants. So I've had some pretty good, and this is free, and you can find Empowered Sustenance has a really good um, uh, blog post about this, um, and it's free. So you can try it at home right now. And I've had some positives and negatives with things like that before. Um, I think what you always want to remember when you're trying something like I've done before, like peanut butter, I did peanut butter. Um, I tested it and then I was like, Oh, my, my pulse didn't jump. So I'm just going to eat like a ton of peanut butter. And then I felt bad. So you always have to remember like with foods that you don't tolerate that you have to go slow with things because your body, you know, how you feel will eventually show you. And then one that's, I mean, we all know about elimination diets. We had a whole podcast episode on that. If you go back through our archives, um, just all about elimination diets and then just kind of tracking. So do you have any days or time periods or something where you feel particularly bad keeping record of what you're eating and saying, okay, I feel really bad right now. Hmm. I keep feeling bad, you know, on Tuesday and that's when we have chili night with beans in it or something like that. Like, could this be a problem? So yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Nope. You covered it. All right. So the next one is that you may have an underlying infection, parasite, or an overgrowth. And I think the most comprehensive way to identify something like this is going to be through a stool test. And even then, you run the risk of missing out on something like parasites are hard to diagnose. Very. Um, Cause you have to be passing it right then. Right. So exactly. it's like you get a three day food test and it's like, if you didn't, you know, pass anything through your stool in the, that three day window, you're given a stamp of approval, but you're not necessarily always passing it. So. But it can give like they, that doesn't mean that they're totally pointless. They're, yeah. Oh yeah. They're very, yeah, no, for sure. You still want to get a, but I'm just saying that, yes, it is hard yes. to find parasites. It's right. very important to get stool tests. I learned a lot from mine. So working with somebody is going to be important in that so that they can help you navigate through the results and what would your protocol be like moving forward to address that particular issue. I personally think that this is one of the biggest things that's really holding a lot of people back when they are doing quote, every single thing, right. They've addressed all these other issues that we're going to talk about today and they still have something lingering. I think it's going to be a co-infection, a parasite or an overgrowth. Mm -hmm. We did touch on this in our episode on finding your root cause. So you can go back and listen to that as well. If you have more information about it, but that's kind of all we, I think, can talk about today, just since they're all so personalized. Every approach is going to be personalized based on what your results come back as. Right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. The next one is impaired digestion. And I will pass this off to Michelle to talk to. Yeah. 
So we talked about this again in the gut health episode um, of the podcast. If you want more resources, if this specifically interests you, but if we are not digesting well, like all the stuff that we talked about with eating more basil and more sardines and all this stuff, it can all be for naught if we are not actually absorbing things. So we need to be, poor digestion can both stop you from absorbing nutrients and it can damage your gut in and of itself. So if you're not digesting properly the food that you're eating, no matter what it is, it could be a big old healthy meal. If that meal is not broken down, it's damaged, it could damage your gut lining. So digestion is real. Are you like smiling? Cause I'm like so passionate into this. Yes. <laughs> She's Sorry. like smiling at me. I'm like, <sighs> um, um, so, but I, this is just so important. I'm so passionate about this. So if so many people switch over to a healing diet and they're like, but I still really can't, yeah, I still get reflux and I still really can't tolerate meat and I'm still constipated. And every time that I work with people one-on-one, like I tell them what they should be eating for sure. But what I hammer into first is just making sure that they're digesting what they're eating. It's not just all about the food. It's about the digestion. So I have a whole blog post about this. If you go onto my blog, there's a gut health section, or you can just search um, like how to improve your digestion naturally. And I have a whole blog post that explains this all with links to supplements and links to other resources and stuff like that of how to actually improve your digestion with things like slowing down, with supplementing, with um, uh, chewing your food better. And the problem is that the more that I work with people and the more that I even work on my digestion myself is that it's not something that is like, oh, I did it. It's done. It's something that you constantly have to pursue because if you have a very stressful day, that's going to mess up your digestion. Something I do that's dumb is I'll listen to my, one of my favorite podcasts, my favorite murder, where they're talking about like the most upsetting stuff ever. And I'll listen to that during breakfast. It's like, and then my stomach will hurt afterwards. Cause it's like, because I'm not digesting. Cause I'm like freaking out. So it's something that you need to just educate yourself on and then just constantly be like, okay, am I digesting? Well, am I continuing to pursue these good digestion strategies? And yeah, it's not something that it's like fixed it done by you need to continue to think about it. Yeah, totally. All right. So the next we have the big ones that we've already talked about multiple times and that so many people have talked about. So let's just, uh, let's just talk about them. So there is sleep quality and stress management. And of course you guys are going to think like rolling your eyes. You've heard this before, but these are the big ones for a reason. And they affect almost every single person dealing with any type of illness. Even if you're not dealing with an illness, they are likely affecting you. So your sleep quality, there are so many different techniques that you can use to improve that. My personal favorite is to come up with, honestly, like a bedtime routine for yourself. And that will look different for every single person. But just figuring out a way that you can turn off your brain, 
You are putting yourself into a state where you are not spiking your cortisol right before bed because that's going to be giving you a lot of issues with your sleep. You're going to likely have a hard time falling asleep and then also reducing your exposure to blue light. And with that, there are like glasses that you can, so if you have to be on your laptop late at night, there are glasses, blue blocking glasses that you can wear. They started out being like very not attractive, but they've actually come out with some nice looking blue blocking glasses now. So you can try something like that. They look like normal glasses now. Yeah. They're just Mm -hmm. like cute, normal ones before they were like super dorky looking. Yeah. I I think I look dorky all the time, but I think I've mentioned this before, but I have to like stop looking at my computer or doing any type of work around like 8 p.m. And that's if I want to go to bed around like 9.30 or 10. And that's because otherwise I find myself waking up in the middle of the night still thinking about the work that I was just doing. So that alone, that little technique has really improved my quality of sleep and also reading before bed. So even though oftentimes James and I will watch a TV show before bed or something, we aren't reducing our blue light exposure as the sun goes down. We're not that extreme. But just like having some time between that blue light exposure of the television and then going into my bedroom and reading by a salt lamp or a candle for even just like 10 minutes also really, really helps my sleep. So Mm. then into stress management, that's going to also be dependent on your personal circumstances, but chronic stress will increase inflammation and it also also dampens your immune system. So those are going to be two real reasons why you definitely want to focus on stress management. And with that, some of the main like mistakes I see people making is either over exercising or and under eating. And so if you aren't eating enough and that's going to look like not enough quality food, not enough variety, and not enough quantity, that's going to be a stressor on your body. Your body is going to perceive that as a stress. And same with over-exercising. So you really want to make sure that those are both balanced. There's also a lack of support can cause stress management issues. So a lack of support in your overall life, but within your healing journey. Finding an accountability group, um, a buddy, something that's really going to help motivate you and push you and give you that support you need can be a huge stress release. And the other real reason why uh, stress management is an issue is cortisol dysregulation. Now with cortisol dysregulation, I personally think that nearly every single person following a healing protocol needs to be focusing on cortisol regulation. And maybe that means they're going through an entire adrenal healing protocol. Maybe they just have to start incorporating some more um, techniques that are going to help balance cortisol. But I personally think that every single healing protocol should be coupled with some type of, of cortisol regulation processes, systems, techniques. 
All right. So then the next one that we want to talk about is if you aren't, you are only looking for help within the internet. And I am 100% or was 100% guilty of this. And I did every single ounce of research that I could. I read forums and blog posts and magazine articles and everything I could within the internet. And I was so resistant to seek out additional help. I've talked numerous times about my experience with my nutritionist being completely life-changing. But when I finally decided that I was going to like pay somebody to try to help me figure my things out, it was, it really was life-changing. And she was the key to the missing link in my puzzle, which was a stressor in my life. She was the key to identifying that for me. And that's like when my healing journey really changed. So if you are solely looking for help from the internet, free help from the internet, that could be definitely stalling your progress. What Michelle and I would suggest is to either find a functional medicine practitioner that doesn't have to be a doctor. A lot of times you can find a functional medicine nurse practitioner and they might be more cost effective and a lot of times are just as well educated as the doctors. So that's something to look into. A nutritionist or a health coach. Oftentimes a therapist can really be beneficial here. I know there are therapists who are like specialized specifically in chronic illness, either because they've been through it themselves or they've just taken on that as an interest. And then there are also chiropractors, acupuncturists, herbalists, and Reiki uh, professionals. So those are four other areas that you might want to look at depending on what it is that you're dealing with. For sure. Um, next thing I want to touch on is we've um, talked about this a lot and a little bit throughout here, but your mindset and where you're putting your trust and your expectations. So what are you telling yourself? For me, when I work one-on-one with people, I can identify almost in like the first like 15 minute, um, you know, like intro session that we'll have together where they're saying like, oh, I, um, you know, how did I do this to myself? And I have, uh, you know, I've, I've put myself here or my, my family, they just won't help. Or I just have so many issues. You know, they'll tell themselves all of these really negative, um, negative things that hold them back. And for me, I've talked about this a lot before that for me, it was, I was constantly telling myself that I was just so limited and I was so restricted and there's just no way it could ever be fun if I'm doing this protocol and this lifestyle where I can't just do whatever I want. Like, how can my life ever be fun if I'm so restricted? And you really have to shift that mindset to one that is, you're not being, it's not restrictive to live a lifestyle that is bringing down your inflammation. It's empowering to live without that inflammation. And yes, it's frustrating when you don't see immediate results. And that's why we're talking about this here, trying to give you some more things to look at and consider. But if you continue to have that mindset throughout, uh, 
it's just really problematic. And that's what stalled me from really jumping on board with the healing lifestyle for years, which is constantly telling myself, oh, there's, there's just no way. I used to tell myself that there was just no way in hell that I was going to give up grains, that I could never be 100% grain-free. I loved bread way too much. I hated meat. I didn't really like vegetables. There's no way that I could be 100% grain-free. And today I am. I sometimes eat white rice, but I could 100% be without it. And I really only do it when I want sushi. So, um, and all that was that put me there, like it, it was not any financial changes. It was not, it wasn't anything other than me just telling myself, yes, I can be grain free. Yes, I can get these out and it will change my inflammation and it will change my life. And that is empowering to be able to walk through life without this cloud around me all the time. So we talked about, you know, having a therapist to talk through this stuff with you. And I've had a therapist too. I've, you know, done a lot of that work as well. And I've, whenever I work with those people that, which, you know, it's everybody, it's all of us that has these limiting beliefs. And I recommend working with a therapist, pretty much everybody that I've worked with, like one-on-one and the ones that have done it, I've seen just like this amazing change in their health, in what they're willing to comply with, in how they feel and like how they look, what their outlook on life is. It's, so powerful to be able to shift your mindset. If your mindset isn't there, it's just not, it's not going to change. The last thing we wanted to talk about was um, time. So how long have you been really working through this 100% compliance? Because we keep going back to that. So after being compliant, after phasing 100% into the protocol that you are working on, how much time have you truly given to heal? And a general rule of thumb, and I have no idea if this is science-based whatsoever, but a general rule of thumb is that there is about one month of healing for every year that you've been ill. And of Mm -hmm. course, that can vary greatly, especially if you are still consuming unknowingly, consuming foods that you don't tolerate with. So that little thing might be stalling your healing enough that it's going to take you longer than one month for every year. But that's just a general rule of thumb that you can look at. If you've been sick for 20 years, then it may take you 20 months to really start to feel like a hundred percent or feel like you've really, really healed yourself beyond that. Yeah. Everything is always going to take time. Mm -hmm. So we talked about it, I think it was on the episode with Courtney um, of somebody who had talked about how they worked with Chris Cresser. They're like, yeah, I felt better in two years. And people would right. be like, what? Two years? Like, I want 20 minutes. Like, it just doesn't work like that. And when people have these, you know, like, I lost like 10 pounds in like two, three weeks, something like that. It doesn't stay that way. My mom used to be really into like you know, all of those diets and so many, you know, the Atkins diet and the master cleanse and all of these things. It's like, okay, well, when you do that stuff, it doesn't stick. Like I've, I've done those diets of like, I'm just not going to eat any carbs at all. I guess like Atkins or something for like a week. It's like, oh my gosh, my stomach's so flat. And then you put 
food in your mouth again. It's like, oh, so when people are doing that, it's not going to stick. You need time for your body to actually change and not just kind of trick it into not bloating or not being inflamed for like two weeks. Like, yeah, you can push down inflammation pretty quick. We've talked about that before. Like if you really take everything out, yeah, you can change, you can pull down the inflammation, but if you're really restoring your tissue and healing yourself, there's all the, I don't know what, uh, I don't know what the timeline is, but there's something like your body like repairs itself every like 30 days or something like that. So all it takes is 30. I'm like, that's BS. Listen to no meme that says that because there's just like, because you have to change the way that your body, like your body was functioning a certain way. Like if your digestion was impaired or your liver enzymes were elevated, it's like you completely replace yourself every 30 minutes. It's like, that's not how it works. So it takes I'm heated over everything today. Woof. Um, <laughs> um we need some kitty snuggles. I yeah. do. He we left. gotta wrap this up so Michelle can have some kitty snuggles. He left. Um meal of the week. I think it's me, right? Yeah. Something that okay, I have this recipe on my blog. If you go and search, like I did like a carrot soup. It's basically carrots and leeks. Um, so I've been doing a soup like that, but I've also added in, um, like a little, like a lot of turmeric, ginger, celery. I think I may have put like kale or some sort of green in it and blended that up and put like a lot of olive oil in it. And it was just like a really rich warming kind of, you know, zesty soup. If it's got ginger and turmeric in there, I did a lot of black pepper too. And I was eating that um, by myself. Like Daniel had had like a game night or something. And he he just kind of disappears into his office um, every other Thursday. And he saw me eating that. And he was like, what is is that? Can I have some of that? He was like, you should make this again. Like he was really into it. And, you know, I love those soups. You can do those in the instant pot where you just throw everything in the instant pot for like 12 minutes and blend it up. And there you go. Yeah. You know, it sounds really good to me after our herb talk and bone broth talk is I'm going to, I think I'm going to go do it is, uh, I have no idea if this is going to be good. I'll let you know. It's bone broth. I'm going to do like a handful of cilantro Mm. and maybe a little bit of lime. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm so into it. I'm going to blend it up. So it's going to be like, yeah, do it, do it. That sounds good. I do things like that all the time. Like I'll make like beef stew and I'll put like a bunch of lemon in it. Mm. And so, yeah, I love like that tart flavor of like lemon and lime. That sounds great. I'm pro that. I have a recipe <laughs> like that on my blog. It's like really? bone broth. Gre- yeah. It's, it's so funny. Like I wrote that one and I was like, people are going to love this. It was like bone broth, green drink or something. And it was kind of people were not that excited about it yeah but I was like I really like it but it was like that so it will be good it'll be good awesome cool we will talk to you guys next week bye thanks so much for listening to the unbound healing podcast be sure to subscribe in itunes and leave us a review until next time you can find more from me and at grassfedsalsa.com more from michelle at unboundwellness.com 
We'll see you next week. Bye.